1: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1314 of the on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you for joining us as always on the podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in Radio, all those fun places on the audio side and of course YouTube on the video side as well. Today's show is going to be sort of a grab bag of sorts. We'll talk about the sights and sounds from practice on Saturday where the Hawks open things up after Media Day on Friday. Then some mailbag questions and then by popular demand, people asking this, uh, asking for this a lot. At the end of the podcast we'll have some video and audio from DeJounte Murray and Trey Young from Media Day. If you missed it, over the weekend, and I definitely encourage you to catch up on all of this stuff on Friday. I did my full media day breakdown slash rundown after being on site for media day festivities on Friday morning and afternoon here in Atlanta. And in addition to that, I posted some bonus video slash audio with regard to Nick McMillan and Landry Fields talking in large scale form. I tried to sort of summarize all of what was said and uh, give you my own spin on things from Friday, but also the uh, the longer form unedited stuff is more interesting to some people as well. So that's all in there. And then again, later on this show, we'll have some uh, words from DeJounte and Trey, the headliners, the stars of the team. At this point in time, the new addition in DeJounte and the face of the franchise in Trey Young. Also, if you're watching on the uh, YouTube side, you can see I'm not my normal studio. So my apologies for that if there's anything different on the podcast today. But we'll be grinding it out as we always do. I want to get some fresh content to begin the week. So we'll start with Saturday. I was not able to go to practice on Sunday. I was uh, at the mercy of folks like Lauren Williams and Kevin Chenard for, for updates on Sunday, but I want to take you behind the curtain a little bit in the first practice of training camp, which happened on Saturday morning in Atlanta. People may not know this necessarily, but the media very rarely gets to actually watch substantial parts of practice in the NBA. I know in the NFL, um, writers can get, kind of watch most or all practices at times, especially in training camp. In the NBA, though, it's still the same as it is in the regular season, which means very little actual basketball that you can actually consume. The open period for the media is almost always shooting or stretching or free throws, very, very occasionally a small scrimmage. But usually when the season's going, you can kind of get uh, not, not too much of a glimpse there than just some standstill shooting stuff, which definitely happened. And also because the Hawks have 20 guys – in training camp right now. And because it was the first practice on Saturday, there were a lot of extra people around as well. Tony Russell was in the building on Saturday, for instance. And obviously the owner is around a lot, but he's not always there for practice, let's just say. So it was just busy. There wasn't too much to be gleaned beyond the standstill shooting until the interviews actually started. But I have some audio and uh, some interesting stuff for you that was said by Nate McMillan along the way here. So Nate did speak first and longest of anyone on Saturday, just for also some more background. All of the players don't necessarily talk at practice. Nate always talks, but it's basically Nate and maybe a player or two along the way. So keep that in mind as well. But Nate, smoke first. some audio for you from that. Now, in general, keep in mind the practice availabilities are happening while there are still shots being taken. Uh, balls bouncing around the, around the facility and buzzers sounding. So I'm not going to do a ton of this during the season. It is tough to kind of uh, parse through this. But because it's the first practice, I it was a good opportunity to share some of this audio stuff. So a good thing to kind of hear so kind of what it sounds like in a practice facility uh, atmosphere. So I'll play the first clip for you right now from Nathan Nolan.
0: I'm doing good. It was a really good first day. Uh, I thought our guys came in energized. Uh, we had everybody planned uh, today except for Bogey. Uh, you know, so we're gonna have to be willing to be patient with Bogey and his recovery. Um, but it was a good start, good first day.
2: How did everybody, I guess, deal with kind of like the physicality of coming back into camp and all the activities being ramped up?
0: Well, it was just really good to uh, to get back. And get to playing. You know, we wanted to uh, start playing right away. So a lot of scrimmaging uh, today, and you know, some two on two, three on three, five on five, and uh, you know, focusing on the defensive end of the floor. I thought the guys came in uh, in pretty good, pretty good shape. We'll see tonight with our
1: conditioning test. Uh, but I like our first day. All right, from there, Laura Williams of the AJC followed up on Nate saying there would be a conditioning test and asked what he actually uh, meant by all of that. Not a ton of specifics uh, there from Nate, but he did say that he gave the team a heads up back in August about it happening at the start of camp. And basically said if they hadn't been doing anything in the offseason, they were going to fail the <laughs> the test. Um, Nate then told the media on Sunday, by the way, that everybody actually passed the test. So no concerns there on anybody. There was sort of varying degrees of, ex- of excelling in those in those conditioning tests. But the Hawks were in two-day, two-day practices right now. So lots of busyness. But they were all able to pass that test on Saturday night. From there, the next clip I'm going to play you is Lauren asking about Jalen Johnson's potential role and how the backup power force situation might stack up this season. Obviously,
2: we don't want to make any presumptions about who will kind of be in the second rotation, but as far as Jalen Johnson, what do you think he needs to do in order to stay, like, stand apart from Frank and and Mo?
0: Well, he's got to earn it. He's got to earn that opportunity. Uh, He's been here since August, and uh, he's working on doing that. You know, he's been uh, playing... Uh, and uh, looking good, I thought last year his uh, his play in the G League. He's showing maturity, uh, and he's showing some confidence,
1: and uh, he's looking forward to the, to the challenge. Later on, by the way, Nate mentioned that Johnson and John Collins, of course, are playing the same position, but they're also very different players, which is something I've been stressing for a long time, basically asking Jalen what he was going to be able to bring to the table and challenging him to give you uh, what something different from what the Hawks are uh, seeing from other guys. Uh, Nate was also asked, by the way, about DeAndre Hunter and what he talked about at media day that he's been trying to work on his ball handling, how that might affect his play. And here's what he had to say about that. Well, you know, as I to- told all of our guys, I want all of our guys to bring their
0: ego. Okay, and what I mean by that, bring your game. Okay, and, uh, you know, so the ball handling is something that he felt that he needed to work on and get better at. Uh, and that will certainly help us. Uh, you know, you, uh, adding Murray to the rotation and having uh, Trey and, you know, uh, Drake being able to handle the ball, it really will allow us to do uh, a lot of
1: things on the offensive end of the floor. So uh, looking forward to uh, these guys showing them their improvement. Nate mentioned later that the focus about ball handling is heavily based on drills and kind of what you're trying to implement, what you're trying to work on in terms of like moves and things to create space along the way, doing against live competition and open runs and practices that can actually translate to gameplay. Interesting stuff from behind the scenes about like how guys actually develop skills basically, he said that in general, players want to add a thing or two every summer to their arsenal, which I can certainly back up from experience covering the league for a long time now. And that's something he talked about a lot with Hunter in exit interviews last season, which is the ball handling aspect. And Hunter has been on the same page with all of that stuff. Some other bullet points to touch on here from that first practice. Nate said they'll be picking captains this year. And and the the team will be voting on that before the actual opener of the season in October. He didn't indicate who that might be, but I've spoke a lot about the importance of having leadership from guys on the actual roster, you know, captains can be varied in terms of like how they select those across team to team. It could be the best player like Trey Young. it could be older guys like Capella or Justin Holliday, whoever you want to say there. So we'll see how that actually lands and how much impact that makes, but leadership something that Nate definitely embraces on the roster itself. Also the college park staff has been involved in training camp to this point, working with the, uh, with the young guys, especially, but also just with everyone across the board. Nate definitely said that was a, an emphasis across the board there. He did say that he wants College Park staff to run their own system, but that it's also coming out of what the Hawks are doing in Atlanta to have that synergy from top to bottom, which makes a lot of sense if you're going into uh, having guys go back and forth during the course of the season. Um, Elsewhere, Nate talked about Trey and DeJounte, as you might imagine. A few questions about that, including one from myself that we'll talk about in a second. But you hear the force of Kevin Chouinard of Hawks.com in a second asking about Trey being an elite passer and how it translates to – maybe be a little bit different if he's off the ball a little bit more and one warning here there is a buzzer in the middle of this answer so keep that in mind don't be startled and here's that answer from nate you and trey both talked a little bit about you know him moving off the ball some of the time mm-hmm. but he's also one of the world's you know best passers did, when he does that does it get easier <laughs> for him does it get harder is there an adjustment because he's in different spots like how does that passing
3: translate when he moves off the ball
0: well again that's 29 and 10 we're not taking the ball totally out of Trey's hand. I want everybody to understand that, okay? We, we know that that's been 29 and 10 for years. We now have the option to move him off the ball a little bit more, adding a guy like Murray, okay? And trying to take advantage of having another ball handler out there and really Trey developing another part of his game, you know, playing off the ball field that weekend Uh, we talked about that at the beginning of uh, the summer at the end of the season last year Uh, that that was something that we needed to do Uh, you know we saw in the in the uh, miami series where the team with him having the ball out front teams just load up to him Uh, now we feel we have the ability to uh, put the ball in murray's hands Uh, some of our other guys you know we just talked about deandre handling the ball now you can put the ball in uh, Murray's and, and uh, DeAndre's hand, and you run those guards through your offense and, and get them to the second side where the defense just can't lock into where they are. Uh, so we'll do that with, uh, with our guards uh, this year, and that is a part
1: of the game that Trey wanted to develop. You hear there that Nate did stress we're not taking the ball out of Trey's hands, which is what you want to hear. Obviously, in my opinion, you want to have Trey have the ball as much as humanly possible, even if uh, some of the, uh, the addition of Murray takes him off the ball a little bit more. They kind of just almost pl- downplaying that even as like a real thing is probably encouraging on some level. And then, of course, uh, I got to my question. That I'm going to play for you in a second. But as I've been talking about pretty much all summer, how the Hawks need to stagger Trey Young and Jonte Murray, how huh? I think it's very obvious they have to do that to maximize impact, how you know the roster is built for it in a lot of different ways. I do believe the Hawks will do this, but nothing is official until it actually happens. So I took a shot asking Nate about this right off the bat. You'll hear him kind of laugh the a question off in a second. And for background, Nate really does not like to talk about strategy stuff to the media, but I always had to give it a shot. So here's that clip right now. I know it's kind of early for this, but um, speaking about Trey and Dejounte, have you thought about staggering them a little bit, making sure one of them's on the court at all times? And how are you sort of approaching? So using you want to get into my I'm just, <laughs> just just, just broadly broad, <laughs> broadly speaking, once
0: absolutely, say. absolutely. You think about that. You know, you think about rotation. So, 100 yes, uh, I have thought about that and the rotation and how we're going to rotate our guys and you know what it's going to look like when Bogey is uh, gets back to the lineup and. Uh, what it's going to look like when Bogey is not in the lineup. You know, it's a possibility he may not play in some of the preseason games. Yeah, so absolutely, I've, I've thought about uh, the way I want to rotate our guys.
1: Having somebody like, like DeJounte who's used to being a primary option, does that give you a little bit of freedom when Trey's not on the floor that you now have this guy you kind of run some of the same stuff that you normally run because he's had that experience?
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: he's a playmaker.
0: Uh, we want to uh, get the ball in his hands and give him opportunities. So... You know, uh, both of those guys are going to have to sacrifice uh, when they're on the floor together, uh, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to try to find opportunities for them to play uh, on the floor where they're not together. You know, so, uh, yes, we will try to take advantage of all of that.
1: No surprise there, but obviously uh, Nate acknowledging that he's always thought about it is good. He's never going to say anything about that. I do believe, though, that they're probably going to stagger, but we'll see if they actually end up pulling the trigger on that as we get closer to the season itself. Other than that, not a whole lot else. Capella did talk to the media. Um, Joe and Johnson spoke briefly as well. Capella talked about lacking in the intensity of the, frac- of the first practice on defense, and Nate focused on that as well. Uh, defense has been a priority for everybody up and down the roster. i talked more about that on the Friday show, the media day breakdown episode, and also Nate, um, when prompted uh, – sorry, Clint, when prompted by Kevin Chenard. Talks about how improving the perimeter defense makes his life so much easier, both in protecting the rim and also not having to like leave his man on the glass, being able to box out and rather than having to over-rotate, et cetera. It's definitely huge for Capel to be in better position. That goes that goes for Kongwu. That goes for Collins. Anybody that's playing on the back line of the defense, having that better resistance on the perimeter is a nice thing for everybody involved. Anyway, that's some stuff from the first practice. Nothing else to hugely glean. I have a couple of questions in a second that I'll touch on mailbag-wise. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline. Football is here in a big way, as you've probably seen the last couple of days. It's been football-centric a lot of the way in the sports world, and BetOnline is the number one source for all of your pro and college football needs, both betting and information-wise this season, but all the latest developments across football, and that includes game matchups and news and podcasts at BetOnline. That includes, of course, all the content that you need for weekend slates in pro and college. BetOnline is a continued source as well for sports wagering information. That includes live betting. Esports and scores. That is lies the fastest and the easiest way to consume every sport you might be interested in. And of course, that includes the NBA, which we talk about on this podcast all the time. There are plenty of future stuff already out there on the NBA front. That includes win totals and conference odds, and division odds, title odds, individual award odds, and even look ahead to the openers in some of the key markets across the league, beyond the NBA as well. BetOnline has odds and lines on college sports and baseball and MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, soccer, entertainment bets, and much more. And about online right now, on your computer and mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, this first question is sort of practice adjacent, so I'm going to start with that one now. Um, someone named Davis sent me a tweet from a very smart Hawks fan named Grant Shirley, who I actually follow on Twitter. Grant's very smart and uh, asked my thoughts about it. And uh, Grant basically pointed out that based on Jersey color from the Hawks leaked videos that they were actually putting out there on social media, et cetera, it looks like in his words, the Hawks second unit in practice was Aaron holiday, Tyrese Martin, Justin holiday, Jalen Johnson, and a Kong Wu. And basically Davis was asking me kind of what I thought about that. Um, And first, this is not depicting on Grant at all, who is very smart and observed this correctly. My overall takeaway is that I wouldn't worry much about, this at this point in time is like who's playing with who in practice. There's injury stuff, but not a who's still not playing for the Hawks right now. There's also like a lot of guys around. So I do understand uh, noticing this and pointing it out. And it's definitely worth pointing out. But I wouldn't worry too much about this at this point in time, as well as there's was a question that I got earlier in the uh, early in the day on Saturday about the hawks like positional listings another thing i don't really care about at all like justin Holly is listed as a guard only he's gonna play a lot of forward this year a con was listed as, as a forward center he'll play a lot more center than forward kaminsky listed as a center forward same sort of thing uh aj griffins as, as only as a guard i think he'll play some three etc so anyway Um, As for the question from Davis via Grant, I would say that, first of all, it's not a surprising group to have a second unit for me. Keep in mind that Murray cannot play in practice with both units. So obviously he is the backup point guard in my mind, but he can't do both at the same time. So that tells you why Aaron Holiday will be there. That makes a lot of sense to me. And then Justin Holiday at the three, Jalen at the four, and the Kongbo at the five is the guys that I would project and hope to be the backups at those spots. Um, Bogey is still out, or he would be at the two pretty obviously. But personally – I said this a little bit before on the show with Glenn and other people recently on the show, but I would not be surprised at all if Tyrese Martin is ahead of AJ Griffin at this stage. And that wouldn't worry me too much about Griffin either, because Martin is more than four years older than Griffin and obviously further ahead in his development cycle. Clearly, you rather have Griffin as a long term prospect. I've said that many times. Griffin's a guy that I like that draft pick that I like that, that value a lot, but he is still he just turned 19 years old etc. Martin is a better defender right now, a better ball handler right now. Plus he was on the court in summer league, got to play in the system a little bit more than Griffin would be at this point in time. Clearly Griffin has higher upside and by the way is a much, much better shooter at this point. But if I was you know just judging this coaching staff, Nate is a veteran laden guy, likes to kind of trust his guys on defense. That should not surprise anyone if Martin is a little bit closer to playing than Griffin. But honestly both of them, I think, will need injuries to get on the court regularly. I do think you want to see Griffin at some point, a la what did not happen with Jalen Johnson last year. I would be trying to get Griffin on the floor at some point. And if Bogey is unable to play, you might need Griffin shooting just to have another guy that actually has to be guarded out there. But big picture, I don't worry about that too much. And honestly, I think that if um, if you just kind of removed Bogey, I think if you had to pick a top nine um, that, that did not include Bogey, I think it would be uh, Aaron Holiday as the most likely guy. You know, I've talked about being a pretty clear top eight on this roster of a starting five plus bogey, Justin Holiday, and a Kongwu. And then I think hopefully Jalen Johnson's number nine on that list. Um, I think number 10 on that list would be Aaron Holiday for me. I think the Hawks will probably trust Aaron Holiday more than guys like Griffin, guys like Tyrese Martin, if I had to guess. Maybe Moe Harkless is more of a combo four type just for some defense, but I think that there's kind of a pretty clear top eight. It's, it gets a little bit below that after that, but I think that Aaron Holiday would be ahead of both Griffin and Martin if they had to kind of play through that. He could play a little bit off the ball as well with his shooting. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere. Yeah. Um, This is not only a question, but I got a couple questions about like projections that have been coming out in the last couple of days and weeks. Mark Stein had some projections, I think earlier in September with the Cavs in the top 10 ahead of Miami um, and the Hawks behind like the Pelicans for instance, but they were ahead of the Raptors. Hawks are 15th on that list. Not a huge surprise there. Kevin Pelton has not released his full projections just yet, but on the Hoop Collective podcast in the last couple of days, he was uh, releasing sort of the, the peak ahead version of those and actually had the Hawks pretty high. He had the Hawks in the second tier of the East along with Philadelphia and Toronto. In fact, he did sort of slip out there that the Hawks were number four in his preliminary projections in the East. That's the highest that I have seen anybody on the Hawks, which is pretty encouraging. I'm closer to that than I am to, t- to the consensus. I do like the Hawks this year as a, as a theoretical exercise, but he talked about the difference of the depth of the Hawks and the Cavs, which I've been emphasizing quite a bit in terms of previous podcasts. I think that there's a lot of enthusiasm about the Cavs right now because of their top four. But if you look like four through, I'm sorry, five through eight, five through nine, five through 10, the Hawks are a lot better than the Cavs, five through eight, five through 10. And the Hawks are the best player on either team. So that's a not, not not a bad place to be there. Also, Pelton has Miami lower, like I do. I'm pretty low on the Heat coming into the season. Obviously, they're very safe in that they play great defense. They're really well coached, et cetera. But I like the Hawks um, as much as the Heat, I think, at this point in time. Also, uh, he had the Hawks, uh, sorry, he had the Heat closer to the Caps, And everyone on that conversation, Brian Winhorst, et cetera, acknowledged that the Nets have the widest variance with huge upside, of course, with KD and Kyrie, but also a lot of downside based on Ben Simmons' uncertainty, Kyrie's general aura, um, Durant health stuff, lack of size, et cetera. So, pretty interesting stuff throughout that. I'm going to save the uh, top 100 talk i.e. from my friend tower jones who loves top 100 talk but i'll have a lot of that probably later on in the process when they're all done but uh that's more of a deep time conversation i i think those are frustrating they could also be interesting to talk about and that's an, for another podcast but uh, i'll answer a question now from spirit the hawk who says uh zach Lowe brought up john collins of the suns potential trade target have you heard anything like that also i will combine this with another question that came in i don't have the name in front of me my apologies but somebody asked about jay crowder because there was a little bit of crowder rumblings over the weekend As far as the Collins thing, this was Zach Lowe and Chris Herring earlier in September. It was not a report. It was couched heavily that it would take probably the Hawks struggling for it to even be possible for them to trade Collins to the Suns. This is also pre-Sarver stuff. Lots of questions about that stuff. And Generally speaking – I don't see a deal with the Suns. I think the Suns would probably like to have John Collins on their roster. I think he's better than the guys they have, but I think the Hawks, um, you know, probably you probably have to have someone like Cam Johnson in it. I'm not sure if the Suns are trying to do that at this point in time. So I did see that. I've not heard anything like that. I think the Suns probably made a call at some point, as most teams did about John Collins. But when you get into like, I probably do a whole deep dive on this, but between the matching salary concerns, um, the fact that the Suns are obviously trying to win now, but I wouldn't want to give up a ton for Collins. I don't see that as very likely at this point in time. As for the Crowder aspect, um, the Hawks could use get Crowder. He would be a very solid backup forward for them. He's more of a four at this point in time than a three. And also, he's making like almost $10 million this season, something like that. I think the Hawks would have some trouble getting to that number. Maybe like a Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless would get them pretty much to the same level. But why would the Suns do that? They probably wouldn't. Um, would the Hawks want to send an asset back? Probably not. The Hawks are already out several first-round picks for the Jonte Murray trade. So in a in a simple form, I think that Crowder would help the Hawks. I think that's not I think that's not a super likely thing to happen at this point in time. Next question comes from Steve, who says, I know you like Justin Holiday, but I am so mad at ownership for not re-signing Delon Wright. He would have helped with the depth, et cetera, et cetera. The question is though, uh, so why have the holidays, Justin and Aaron, when we could have signed DeLon Wright? Aaron and Justin Holiday's salary is together is about what Delon Wright got. Is that correct? And is this a fair criticism? Would you, which side would you rather have between the holidays and Delon Wright? Um, First there, I love Delon Wright. I miss him already. Uh, I'm obviously uh, definitely pro Delon more than pretty much anyone. Um, You can't really do this, though, as a hypothetical, because they got Justin in a trade. They couldn't just have, you know, hypothetically, and I'll, I'll I'll do that in a second. But they got the Justin part of this in the Kevin Herter trade. They signed Aaron Holiday at the minimum. Um, Delon actually still making more than them combined. So that's part of this. It's obviously more of a hypothetical thing, but just for logical speaking, uh, you can't really do this because of the fact that Holiday came in a trade, had to match salary with Herter, et cetera. Now, if the Hawks were not concerned about the tax, I think they probably would have tried to sign DeLon. I would have tried to sign DeLon. It's not my money. So I think the Hawks would be a better team right now if they had just gotten DeLon right to re-sign on bird rights. And also, they could still have, if they wanted to, they still could have made a Kevin Herter trade. Now, I think I've been on the record many times that the Herter trade was at least partially motivated by money i do believe that um obviously the first round pick potentially that that could be coming in that deal definitely helps things but i think the urgency to do that was money driven and trying to clear the decks a little bit with the tax stuff but i think that the best case scenario for the hawks even if you assume they still do the herder trade would be to have just kept delon right and paid him what the wizards paid him and then basically you have delon instead of aaron and then you also have justin on the roster or you could just still have kevin herder obviously but uh if we assume that's already done as for the actual question of whether I'd rather have right or both holidays, I think that both holidays probably is the right answer there, um, but only because you don't have herder on this roster and you need a wing. I think DeLon is still – obviously can play the wing. I think Justin is an underrated player, and I think just having both of them maybe, maybe comes closer to – Lacking both of those guys but again i think what they probably could have done and maybe should have done is keep, is keep delon and then still do the holiday thing um i do think that delon is a better player than justin holiday but not by a huge margin i think that justin is a very uh valuable sort of rotational wing player by a little bit of defense etc so interesting question and obviously you're appealing to my delon right love but uh it, it doesn't really work that way necessarily and i think that uh Big picture, the the gripe you would have about not bringing the lawn back would be the the tax avoidance part of that, and not just paying him. Because the best version of this team would have simply had the Wright right in the Aaron Holiday role, because the Wright right is better than Aaron Holiday, and yeah, he's a lot more expensive. You could maybe argue that Aaron Holiday for the minimum versus the lawn for eight million dollars. Maybe you maybe you'd rather have Aaron Holiday, but if it's not your money, it's not my money. Uh, the, t- the team would be better if they still had the lawn right on it. So there you go on all of that. Okay, we'll have more Mail questions in the future. I can assure you. We'll have, uh, we're back to four or five times a week, by the way, as the season is nearing. But we we'll have, we'll have some game action to talk about in the next week and a half or so. But before we get to all of that stuff, we'll have one more break. But uh, after the break, this is going to be the end of me talking on this episode. And uh, I said this a little bit earlier on the podcast to uh, sort of tease it out. But when I posted the bonus video slash audio of Nate McMillan and Landry Fields from Friday, people were asking, about more of this, I wasn't going to post the entire, you know, three plus hours of video, but people were mostly asking about whether I had the uh, video slash audio of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, mostly Trey, but I'll throw DeJounte in there as well, sort of his first public comments since the trade press conference that actually happened. So if you've not seen these, or if you want to see these, it's about 20-ish minutes uh, combined, about 10 each for Murray and Trey. And there's video on this if you want to watch on YouTube and also the audio is coming through as well. So we'll have one more break from our sponsors and then we'll come back with with DeJounte and Trey in that order. And by the way, please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend about the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Follow the show at Locked on Hawks on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. And after the break, we'll come back and it'll be DeJounte Murray and then Trey Young.
4: Uh, good morning. Uh, again, welcome to Atlanta, Jante, and we're happy to have you here. Uh, two-part question, if you can, give me your thoughts on your first media day so far uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, everything that, that they have going on, uh, and then just kind of uh, let me know what your thoughts are heading into the training camp, uh, some goals that you've set for yourself to start the season off.
3: Uh, I mean, it's smooth, uh, you know, trying to get in, get out, but also enjoy it while I can. Uh, you know, a new journey, new team, uh, you know, same mindset. Uh You know, but mainly just trying to enjoy and learn everybody and, uh, you know, just go through the process enjoying it. Uh, You know, as far as camp, just ready to go compete, you know, earn everything and, uh, you know, earn my coaches, my my teammates' trust, you know, from showing up on time, uh, working hard, asking questions and just leading by example.
2: Uh, you and John and Trey got a chance to participate in uh, Pro-Am back in Seattle over the summer. Just what were your thoughts about your guys' early chemistry, and how do you guys think you'll be able to capitalize on that moving forward?
3: I think more so, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford, you know, does a great thing, you know, putting on the Pro-Am back home. You know, we don't have a team, so, you know, he brings a lot of pros, and I try to play, you know, once every year. Uh know, I reached out to them guys and, you know, asked them if they could come. And, you know, they took time out of their schedules and came. So I was thankful for that, you know, but more so, you know, when they got there, I told them let's take advantage of it and, you know, have fun and just try to learn each other, you know, not just go mess around. So, you know, like I said, I was thankful for them to, you know, come out there and play, you know, but more so just took advantage of, you know, getting to know each other.
5: Raphael Haynes with the three-point conversion. Two questions. First, speaking a pro program, do you think that um, we'll see the the um, three-part alley with you, Trey, and John if it presents itself in the NBA or in the game, I should say? And then also, knowing the fact that y'all are going on this long trip, how excited is it to basically get a chance to bond with the other teammates? Uh,
3: your first question, uh, I mean, you know, the goal is to win, you know, win games, so you know, uh, you know, you may see things like that or you may see more smooth things, you know, uh, you know, try not to be too flashy, you know, but also have fun while we're doing it. Uh, you know, so you'll definitely see lobs, uh, that just happened in that moment. But, you know, uh, for your second question, you know, going to Dubai, uh, that's different for me as an individual. I'm not a guy who travel overseas, so that's going to be real different, you know, but, uh. You know, I think it's good for the game. You know, it's good for the fans, try to grow the fan base, uh, you know, and just it's different. And I think us as Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks is, you know, going to go out there and represent the NBA, represent our families, and most importantly, our organizations, and, uh, you know, go out and compete and have fun.
0: Hey, DeJounte, we saw you working out with LeBron James in Seattle, and I believe you have a relationship that goes back a little ways. I was going to see if you could tell us a little bit about that friendship.
3: Uh, I mean, that's a great dude. Uh, you know, a great man, a great father, a great leader, great basketball player. You know, somebody that took me under his wing. You know, around 17 years old. So, you know, I'm always preaching. I'm thankful and grateful because I mean that. Uh, and I'm just thankful to have somebody like that in my corner. You know, guiding me off the floor and also on the floor. So, you know, uh, you know that's that's a great dude, and I appreciate him.
4: DeJounte, you know, uh, in the NBA, especially when it comes to guards, being able to work together, being able to play together, being able to you know, uh, play off of one another. And I know one of the questions that a lot of people had coming in, I knew you, you and Trey have a great relationship, was obviously, can two ball-dominant guards play well together? Do you think you and Trey have a little bit, you know, do you all want to prove something to the league or is it just something that you really just don't care about and you just want to go out and play the game?
3: I think it ain't really proving nothing to the league. Uh, You know, it's proving to the people that do believe in us, uh, you know, which is the organization that made, you know, the, the, the move to bring me to this team. Uh, you know, I ain't trying to step on no toes. You know, they have a great thing going here. You know, Trey, you know, earned the rights uh, of who he is and, you know, uh, this organization. You know, I'm coming to help. Uh, you know, when, when I said I wanted to come to Atlanta uh, and I came to Atlanta, you know, it's more me fitting in, and also it's allowing me and Trey to to grow our game playing off the ball, you know, uh, and when you could do many things in this league, you allow yourself to win, so you know, I think it's a great challenge for both of us, but at the end of the day, you know, we both are smart basketball players, you know, people don't add in that we both average nine assists, uh, and that's just showing that you got two guards, that's unselfish, you know, everybody used the ball dominant or this or that, but You know, what about averaging almost 10 assists? Uh, And I think that's huge. So, you know, the goal is just to push each other, you know, grow uh, through the ups and downs and, you know, just go out and win basketball games, figure it out. And I think we will do that.
6: Hey, DeJounte, AJ from Hawks Fan TV here. Um, Wanted to ask uh, if you could give Hawks fans a preview of what type of brand of basketball that we're going to be watching this season
1: with you guys as a unit.
3: Uh, you're going to see the ball moving. Uh, yeah, I think that's the number one thing, playing the right way. Uh, a lot of excitement, you know, uh, playing defense. And like I always said, uh, you know, I love defense. So, And I believe the best offense is, you know, getting a stop and getting down and running. So, uh, you know, I'm just excited. You know, we got a lot of weapons around us, dudes that could do a bunch of things. So, you know, uh, it starts on the defensive end and, you know, it will translate to the offensive end. And it will be exciting.
5: DeJounte, um, you come from an organization that's played good defense for a long time there with Pop. Um, In your experience, what's it take to kind of um, build that, I guess, culture to where you have good defense and it's expected?
3: I mean, if you want to win, then you're going to be willing to buy in, Uh, you know, know, effort, showing that effort. Uh, You know, not all guys could, you know, be elite defenders, you know, which is just the realistic of things. But you know, showing effort and just trying, you know, you never know what could happen. So, you know, I'm just going to try to, you know, bring what I learned and what I love to do, which is to play defense and try to help my team, you know, in any any way, whether it's leading, uh, you know, by example or leading vocally. So, uh, you know, I think everybody will buy in, you know, because if you want to win, you have no choice but to buy in.
1: Hey, Jack Trash
6: with Hoxology. uh What do you expect or what should we expect to see on the defensive end from the
1: trio of you, uh, DeAndre Hunter, and Clint Capella?
3: Uh, I mean, you know, it's not just about us three. You know, everybody has to buy in. Uh, everybody will buy in. And, uh, you know, we're just going to push each other. You know, you push each other, set goals to where we could push each other and make it fun, you know, whether it's, you know, getting these steals or – these, uh, these blocks or rebounds, whatever, you know, just push each other. And, you know, I feel like if we do that, you know, and make some fun out of it, uh, it'll be an exciting year.
2: Hey, I know you talk about you and Trey both being unselfish players, but when you know that you're going to go on the court, 82 games together, like what excites you the most about probably you guys are one of the best backcourts in the country right now.
3: Uh, I mean, for me, I try not to, you know, get into rankings, uh, you know, all that backcourt stuff, you know, uh, I think mainly it's just, you know, going out, you know, having fun, competing, learning each other, you know, it starts in a workout, it starts in practice, you know, the film room, uh, it's a lot of stuff that we could do to help translate to the games, and 82 is a long season, so like I said, through the ups and downs, we just got to push each other, you know, stay focused, stay positive, and uh, it'll be a great outcome.
5: Of course, you want to always better your game, but is there anything specific that you want to work on that would help you in this role with the Hawks?
3: I mean, everything. Uh, also, you know, more catch and shoot. Uh, you know, I've been working on a lot of that this summer, uh, but mainly just everything. You know, I'll never just be content, you know, with, with anything in my life, you know, from off the floor to my profession, which is basketball. So, you know, I'm growing in everything and I want to grow in everything. And I always feel like there's room to improve.
2: Both Landry and Nate have talked about how impressed they've been with everybody's conditioning coming into the open runs and everything like that. What has impressed you about your new teammates and and how do you guys think you'll be able to compete against each other in training camp?
3: Uh, the most thing I've been, you know, impressed by is just everybody showing up. Uh, we had a bunch of guys in. They said it was the most guys that's been in uh, in the past few years. So um, I think that just shows the, the focus, the dedication and, uh, you know, the excitement that everybody has. So. You know, to see everybody here the first, second week of September explains everything, knowing that camp starts tomorrow.
4: DeJounte, what what are your early thoughts on the city of Atlanta? I'm not sure how long you've been living here, but tell me your early thoughts about the city, the fans, the culture here.
3: Uh, I mean, you know, I'm a learned. Uh I'm more like a homebody person. I don't really get outside because I just be so focused on, uh, you know, growing and, and – trying to find different things to do, but also in my job, studying it and playing it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to learn the city as the time goes and just try to learn as much as I can and, you know, also, you know, be physical and get out uh, so people can see me. You know, youth, uh, kids, I love kids. So, you know, I know there's a lot of kids and youth around the world, but, you know, I'm in Atlanta now that that needs help and guidance. So, you know, I'm going to get with our organization and, 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 you know, grow in that stage. Uh,
4: Terrell Thomas, these urban times. Uh, two-part question again. Uh, a long trip over to Dubai, so I want to know, like, what are, what are you listening to? What'll be on your your podcast on on the ride on the, your iPod rather on on the ride on the plane ride over? And then I saw you with some dope kicks on your feet as well uh, as you was walking around the facilities. Uh, Cause you let me know what your, what your favorite sneakers to ball in are.
3: Uh, I mean, I, I listen to you know a, a lot of hip hop, a lot of stuff that I could relate to in my life. You know, growing up. Uh, so it's a it's a bunch of artists. They shuffle a bunch of artists, uh, and then also, I mean, I'm a New Balance athlete. So, you know, it's been going into my fourth year. Uh, you know, they take care of me, uh, and it's a it's a family thing. So, you know, I try to represent them just like they represent me.
5: Now that you're here in Atlanta, definitely the stars, you know, comes out to these games now. How fun would that be, being able to play in front of these celebrities rooting for you, first row and everything?
3: I mean, it would be it'll be uh, a nice thing because uh, at the end of the day, you know, we represent, you know, Atlanta. So, it will be good. Hopefully, we could bring the city together even more, uh, you know. But for me, I lock in, man. When I'm playing, I don't really realize who's there. So, you know, I'm trying to win games uh, by any means. But, uh, you know, I think it would be great, you know, to see. You know, a bunch of successful people, you know, come together and, and, you know, just bring some positivity to the city. See you guys later.
4: Uh, Good afternoon, Trey. Uh, Happy to have you back for another season. Um, Two-part question. Uh, Can you talk to me about your your summer? We've seen you this summer. You know, we've seen you in Pro-Ams. We've seen you debuting your new sneaker. Congratulations on that. Uh, Could you talk to me about your summer? And then uh, secondly, can you talk to me about some of your goals and what you may have set for yourself in this upcoming season?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a great summer for me. Um, my son was born uh, June 2nd, and then I really got to go out to L.A. and start working and training for this next season, uh, June July 15th. And I've been out there just training and, and locking in and I uh, brought some of my brothers out, uh, J.C. I brought him to L.A. To, to play in the Drew. After all, everybody's trade rumors and everybody's talking and everybody's saying stuff. And then we went up to Seattle and we hooped up there. So it's been a great summer of hooping and playing and getting better. And I'm just ready to go play this year.
5: Trey, Rafael from the 3-Point Conversion. First, how has it been? It's like every time I turn the TV on, you're all over. So just the marketing, commercials and everything. And then plus, coming into your fifth year, I believe, is there anything specific that is like, now nah, I want to work on?
6: Uh, I mean, every, I mean, yeah, I mean, First, yeah, it's, it's cool being on all the, all the TVs and stuff with the new commercials and things like that. Obviously, always got some new stuff coming up that y'all don't even know about. Uh, so be on the lookout. Um, but, no, nah, I just, I mean, this this year I'm just so locked in on winning a championship and, and nothing else. Like, that's pretty much it. And, um, I mean, I always want to get better in all my areas of my game. So I'm always trying to get better offensively, I mean, I, no matter what I do, leagues points and assists, I still feel like I can get better offensively um, in certain areas. And then defensively, I feel like I'm always going to try to get better, and I need to continue to get better on that end and um, getting stronger. And is one of my main focuses this, this summer, and it's been great. So I'm looking forward to going out and playing.
0: Hey, Trey, could you uh, tell us what you learned from working out with Stephen Curry and his trainer this summer? And also, did you put on some weight?
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, great, great second question. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I always put on trying to keep more muscle on me than fat. Um, and as I get older, I'm going to always get, get stronger. So, um, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, working out with Brandon, uh, Steph a couple times was great. Um, I mean, I'm a sponge to learning new things. So, uh, Every year I try to get better and try to add something new to my game. And so being able to work out with Brandon, uh, I mean, it was, it was great learning so many mechanics and little things and little details that really matter um, to great shooters um, that most people don't even know. Uh, I was able to really learn and um, just want to continue to learn. I, I don't know it all still, but uh, I feel
0: like I know a little bit more. Trey, to, to your left, Nate talked about going out to Oklahoma City for, for a couple of days and working out at your place with you and talking to you. Can you just talk about what you got out of that? And I'll have a follow-up.
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, we got a lot out of it. I think we both got to spend some time with each other and um, learn a little bit more about each other. Uh, him coming down, obviously wanting to, to talk about what we can get better at and then playing a little bit off the ball and then me also being able to tell him I'll have how I grew up playing off the ball, and um, I had to learn how to be a PG, and uh, so I know how to do a little bit of off the ball playing, and uh, so we got to learn a lot from each other, and uh, I mean got to work on some things, and um, so it's been great, and uh, I'm looking forward to the season.
1: He he also talked about more of an intangible off-the-court level, you guys communicating more, and you becoming, maturing, becoming even more of a leader than, than whatever you are now. Could you just sort of address that, your communication with him that maybe it needed to get a little better than what it's been?
6: Uh, I mean, I think anybody's communication can get better. I think everybody's. Um, I mean, I don't think, I think uh, being static and, and not wanting to improve in anything is, is, is not good for you. And so, I mean, Nate, me and Nate's relationship is, is really, really good. Um, and And talking is is something that uh we both we both need to continue to get better at we wanna to continue to lead this team and winning the championship so that's our that's our goal we wanna we wanna win a championship. So we don't wanna win any i mean anything else so we're trying to figure out how we can get better and and that's one of the areas that we talked about how we we can get better at so
2: Hi Trey, Lauren from the AJC. I'm just curious, when did the idea of playing with Dejounte kind of start to excite you? And and what are you looking forward to most about teaming up with him?
6: Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it was exciting to me as soon as I heard it, it was a possibility. Uh, just knowing his game and the what he brings to the, I mean, to a team. I mean, it's hard to really point out what he's great at, um, but he's good at everything, like defense, scoring, passing. Uh, really rebounding, playmaking. I mean, he's really good at everything. So just having somebody, um, I mean, who's, I mean, just as a competitor as as I am um, in the backcourt with you, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait to start playing.
1: For, For whatever amount of time that you move off the ball this season, you led the league in assists last season. You're one of the great passers in the league. How do you take that and translate it to those situations where you're off the ball, coming at it from new angles? Does that excite you? or Are there challenges to that?
6: Yeah, I mean, I also led the league in points last year, too, in total points. So I can score the ball, too. I know how to score the ball. So it's going to be times where I can strictly focus on scoring. And that's, I mean, that's fun. Like, I mean, I've had to really be, had to do both, I mean, for a long time and trying to get everybody involved and as well score, too. So. It's gonna be fun having somebody like DeJounte who he comes off a of pick and roll and I'm in the corner and there's my man's got to pick, either choose the roll man or leave me open. So I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be pick your poison. So I'm I'm looking forward to it and people don't have to I mean, give us credit before it's due. So i uh, I'm ready I'm ready to go show it. Hey, Trey, it's uh, AJ from Hawks Fan TV. First off, congrats on the birth of your son, man. I know Appreciate you got your hands full, probably, man. Uh, yeah. um, so wanted to ask, with uh, the Eastern Conference, seemed like a bit of an arms race with teams stacking up and, you know, getting better. This is probably the best Eastern Conference we've seen in a long time. Um, does it
2: give you faith that the uh, franchise actually made a move to get a guy like DeJounte and, you know, build around you and build and show that they pro- prove to you that they want to win?
6: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean – that's that's my message. I mean, to them, every time I talk to them, is how much I want to win. Like, I don't. I mean, obviously, what I'm gonna be based off of is is winning, winning games and winning championships. So, because stats stats don't do do enough. So, for me, that's been my focus from day one since I got drafted, and it still is today. So, I'm just trying to trying to win, and with them. Getting DeJounte, understanding where we were uh, at the end of the season, the playoffs, um, and knowing what we needed to do to get better, I think really just shows their commitment as well, like you said, to winning. And, uh, and obviously I always appreciate, appreciate that aspect.
4: Hey, Trey, Sam Crenshaw with a question. Um, Coach Nate earlier talked about who are we. Uh, are, you with the, are we the team that went to the Eastern Finals or the team that had to fight their way into the postseason how do you answer that question? Or will we get the answer to that question as the season goes on?
6: Yeah, I mean, don't nobody in this room know that those answer to that question. Um, but we, those guys in the locker room, or the guys that I know who we had dinner with last night, um, we all believe what we can do, and we, we we believe we can win a championship. I know I do, and uh, I mean, I express that to my teammates, and I know they have that same mentality. So, um, I mean it really doesn't matter what no, what anybody else thinks of us or anything like that. It's, it's all about what we can do and what we show. So I'm just ready more than ever to go out there and play this year so so we can show that. Hey, Trey. Uh, Jack Trush with Hawksology. Uh, just wanted to ask, lots of shooters are also great screeners. Uh, what are some ways that setting screens will help you impact the off-ball playmaking for your teammates? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I – think, uh, Obviously, great shooters are are great great screeners because they know their man isn't going to leave them. So if, if you're a great screener, you know you're going to get your big man open. And uh, so I, I know that. I've gotten got my teammates open from setting the screens. I know I can – that's why I want to get stronger. So that's why – so when I hit these big fellas, they, they feel me too. So uh, that that's what it is. So I know I, I got to get my, my teammates involved by screening too.
2: Hey Trey, not a basketball question, but what what are your bracelets that you're wearing on your wrist for?
6: Oh, my bracelets, I got a, a little live bracelet that I got with hearts, and I got my Titus. I always got my my son now representing. You got my name. Thank you, Trey. Right. Appreciate it. Oh my
0: man. No, got... one more. Go ahead. Okay. Oh man. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, you almost got away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, nah, I'm cool with it. All right. Hey, to follow up a little bit I'm on what Jeff asked you about with Nate again sort of was talking about wanting to communicate better, and so I don't say it sounded rocky, but maybe that you guys weren't on the same page as much as he would like you to be, like to be last season. What does that mean to you in terms of trying to improve that relationship and that communication? Yeah, I,
6: I think you're reaching. I think you're trying to reach for something that ain't there. So I think the, the relationship ain't rocky. So uh, whatever you was trying to search for ain't there. You no, know, it, it ain't rocky. I think. Like like I said, we can all be better in in areas. Like we all trying to we're trying to get better. We're not trying to stay the same. So, how can you do that as a point guard? For me, I've been like I said, I had to grow to learn to be a point guard. So, I've always been a leader by example. So now that I'm a point guard since eighth grade, ninth grade, I'm still learning how to be a leader by vocally. You know what I'm saying? So I think just it's, it's not, not that I don't do it. It's just how can I get be better, and I think that's what Nate is talking about, and so our, our relationship is great, my teammates love me, and I love my teammates, and we're about to go try to win this championship.